Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Alana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, these two actresses are Tony nominated. They are two of the most uniquely gifted performers. They are such great friends on stage and off stage that they came to do the podcast together. Welcome Hades Town stars Eva Noblezada and Amber Gray to the podcast. Enjoy. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guests today are the Tony-nominated award actresses Eva Noblezada and Amber Gray. They were both nominated for their roles in the Tony Award-winning musical Hades Town, uh, directed by Rachel Chafkin and written by Anais Mitchell or Anais Mitchell. Anais. I'm so happy. That's the whole intro. (laughs) Eva and Amber are here. I got to see the show. And when they said you were both coming in, I thought that's so lovely. I usually just do people one at a time. And I thought that means there's a sisterhood that Mm -hmm. is going on on and off stage. (laughs) Because this is your off stage moment. Is that correct? Well, they unlocked our little cages, so we were able to go scramble free. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, you're very correct. Well... And obviously, it has not been lost on anyone that there are um, many women involved in this production, mm-hmm. uh, from top to 
you know, like from from producers to cr- the the people who wrote the thing mm-hmm. and directed the thing, and you guys who make the thing, and the people who dress you and do makeup yep. and hair and all of the things. And I can only imagine that maybe it's not amazing because of that, but it's not not amazing because of that. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How long have you been doing the show now? I started working on it in 2014. Oh, that's right. That's right. Forget <laughs> even Broadway. It's been that's years right. and years. It's been years. I've done six two-week workshops. Right. And this is my fourth full production. And you've been doing it on Broadway for how long? Since March 22nd. Of 2019. Because <laughs> yeah. this is going to live forever, so we're going to help like situate people. Yes. Yeah. And you did it in London as well? Mm-hmm. So this is my second production, and my I did one music workshop before okay. they went to Canada. So you're you're six months in, mm. approximately. Yeah, yeah. How, okay, so will you just say, so they know who's talking, you yes, are? Amber Gray. And you are? Eva Nobelzada. That way you can kind of hear the distinct mm-hmm. uh, differences between their beautiful <laughs> speaking voices. Um, <laughs> this is audio. They don't get to see your beautiful yeah, right. faces I'm right now. right now. I disagree. Uh, <laughs> as a viewer, I wish uh, everyone could see your beauteousness right now. You're very kind. Um, Eva walked in and was like, I've been up for one hour, and it is now 4.30. It's the life of a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> she was Yoko Ono last night for yeah. Halloween. She still has the glasses on. She tickles me. Instagram. I have to do my little screaming performance. It tired me out. Is that what happened? Were you actually reenacting the performance as well? I did to specific people who I knew would laugh at me <laughs> kindly. <laughs> Wow. That's like in New Orleans. Like it was very like you're on the street and you only, you know how like sometimes performers like we're not performing for you. We're not going to do it for everyone. So there was something about certain people that you felt like you are entitled to hear my Yoko. Oh, yeah. Come in. (gasps) Yoko. You guys, Yoko Ono is here. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you. So, sweet friends of Amber and Eva, knowing, well, Amber, you've been up since probably 4 a.m. as opposed to your 4 p.m. Let's break it down. Uh, Today's Friday. Yep. I've been up since 7.30. Because. so bad. How come? Because that's when the Rugrats go to school. (laughs) (laughs) Get out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) One, you have two sons? I have two sons. One is named Rug. And one is named Rats. rats. That's right. Um, wait, how old are we they? The same Angus is Rats. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Angus will be four this month on the 20th. Scorpio. Super sweet. So what's he into? Like, what's his thing right now? Oh, my God. Um, he, he's really into witches. And I keep trying to explain <gasps> to him that there are good witches, too. And he doesn't believe me. And one of his teachers yesterday dressed up like a witch. And he was like, Mommy, Mommy, Mrs. S is a witch. <laughs> and I was like, no, baby. It's just a costume. Like, Mommy puts on a costume. Yeah. He was like, no, she's a witch. <laughs> is um, she? I feel like probably. kids, they know stuff. They know That's They true. know things. I do, yeah. When he's like, oh, I'm just talking to Grandma. I'm like, I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah. I definitely think he can see ghosts. Yeah. Things. Because he can't be speaking to Grandma. One of them, no, he can't be. Right. And, I, and that's <laughs> in the way, he's only talking In to. the way that we think of speaking to grandma. Correct. So yeah. he may be speaking to grandma. They, we also have a ram in our house. My a ram? Hus- my husband, Hans, he grew up in Colorado, and he goes home once a year and shoots a deer and a ram, and we eat the meat all year, and the meat lives in our deep freezer down in the basement. In so, New York City. In Brooklyn, in Bed-Stuy, right. yeah. Okay. And our, the head of one of the rams is mounted in our living room, and both 
babies at a certain age have like bowed down to the ram, which I find really fascinating. Interesting. Angus hasn't done that in a couple of years, but they used to like honor the ram. <laughs> well, which, <laughs> you know, <laughs> biblically speaking, the ram is like definitely an animal that would have been sacrificed for mm-hmm. things other than our dinner, um, but yes. for religious ritual purposes. Oh, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's also fascinating. Like we bury the lead a little bit. Like you're married to someone. It's not every day that people. I live in Brooklyn too, uh-huh. and let me tell you what is. There's like Blue Apron in my freezer, right. but there's not or Fresh Direct, depending on uh-huh. the coupon that has arrived. So that's really an interesting little known fact, Amber, <laughs> that you guys are living off the land in Bed Stuy. Yeah, we belong to um, you know Nourishing Long Island, which is like a farm share out of Pennsylvania, and we're part. Slope Food Co-op members. We're like those but also, But also, is that, and she's wearing only hemp clothing today. But here's my question for you. When you say, I mean, does he bring it back from Colorado or is he hunting more locally? Is that like, I'm sorry, sir, let me see your check-on bag. I'm not sure uh-huh. that can go through. It's Yeah, it's really deep. He shoots those two animals uh, in Colorado and brings them home. Um, How? On the airplane. Because, you know, he, like, dresses the animal there and processes the meat and all that stuff. And they, So in a cooler. Yeah, in a mm-hmm. cooler. And, but lately, so he can bow hunt, he has a crossbow, he has, a, he has all of it. Um, the laws are different <laughs> in New York. Why does you can't sexy? Own, you can't, it's very sexy. It's kind of sexy. You can't own guns in New York, so he's, right. and your hunting season is longer if you do it with bows and arrows. <laughs> Insane to me, I don't understand any of it. Um, yeah, so he has now been getting permits to hunt in different parts of... New York State. Okay. So I did not grow up with a hunting family. I grew yeah. up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I'm married to someone from Wisconsin who also is not a hunter. He's a TV actor. Love <laughs> it. But he has many family members, people who have married into his family who are hunters. Um, and so it's been really interesting for my urban Brooklyn kids to have really deep, complicated conversations about what they think they th- what they think they think and then Every time my brother-in-law will say, do you guys eat meat? Mm-hmm. Do you know where it comes from? Mm. And so it becomes a kind of not just this existential idea about something, but a very real conversation about you can't have it both ways. Right. If you're going to eat it, then you need to know where it comes from. Yep. Don't judge us. And if you don't want to eat meat, then that's fine. And mm. we can have a whole yes. discussion about that. Um, where did you grow up, Eva, who's now going to speak? I was born in San Diego, California. To a hunting family? My dad hunts in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good one. (laughs) A napkin? Yes. I have a napkin, actually. My dad has. Amber did a full on spit take, which (laughs) is my favorite thing. (laughs) Nasty. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in San Diego, California, where we didn't hunt because there's no trees except for palm trees. Right. Hunt coconuts. No animals there except for like the local chihuahua. Yeah. Now there's a zoo. And then um, I moved to North Carolina when I was like seven. Don't know why, but you know, parents make decisions. Well, no, no, we lived in a really, really rough neighborhood in San Diego, and my parents were very young when they had me. Like, mom, I think was like seventeen, eighteen when she had me. So they just wanted a better life for the baby. So we packed up the the baby Eva. The baby is that your birth name? Eva, yes. Okay. Are both your names your real names? Yeah. Your given names? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been called other names. I'm joking. Not, not really. Not in this room. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but we packed up the little Volkswagen and took the four day trip, driving across the country, and then we stopped. We, f- you know, we moved to North Carolina. Do you remember this? Like, do you? Have I remember being in the car. 
Um, do you have siblings? I do. I'm the oldest of three. Okay. And were the other ones born yet? Oh, or were you? hell no. I was, I was the queen for a very long time. Um, <laughs> and let's face it. You still are, my Still own. are. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Thank but you for my, staying um, for me, Amber. When my grandparents, uh, my dad's parents moved to North Carolina, they bought like 16 acres of land in like... Hickory area? I don't know. I'm probably making that up. It's, it definitely wasn't Hickory. It was Stanley. It was Stanley. It rhymes with Hickory. There's no fact checking on this <laughs> it's show. Fine, you good. can say whatever Great. you want to be. I'm publishing it. That's it's dangerous going for up. us. Dangerous <laughs> for Amber and I. <laughs> but um, no, my it's dad only hunted. dangerous for the people not in this room. They can't. Well, jokes on them. That's right. That's right. So, would you go hunting also? I did not. I um, I obviously like my dad would had a like crossbow and like all of his hunting guns, which he whatever and like would hunt venison and we'd have like venison jerky and like just it would be really yummy and mm. I would not because I appreciate where the animal comes from but I don't want to be the one if it's not my choice I mean right. if I had to like survive like provide for my family I would like skin that crap alive you know right if they needed to eat something but have um, you guys talked about this before you're hunting uh, you've definitely talked to me about yours <laughs> she's, 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 showing you now. she's a braggart I about never hunting. ask other people questions <laughs> And now Eva does true? a spit take. Is that true? It's not true at all. It's not true. <laughs> are you the most? Are you the most inquisitive person? No, I'm not that either. But I do tend to be like the mother hen of groups. People tell me their secrets. I don't have to ask. Is the thing they just tell me everything. Isn't that the best feeling? I like Sometimes that. Sometimes it's too heavy. Is it? I'm like it's that too. too. Much to take with on? people of all ages, they just like to yeah, same. latch on, which I don't mind. But you know. I'm also, only five three. I can't carry everybody. No, it's a lot. It's heavy. But also, yeah. when you're in a long run of a show in particular, not necessarily limited to this, but you do become this family, and mm. you do seem to take on roles that are familiar. Yeah. Like, would you say that the the people you are in this show, like who you are, not just in character, but mm. like your backstage selves, is consistent with other shows that you've been in? No. So what's different about you and your dynamic with this company of people that feels different. I than completely before. just lied to you because I just understood the question. I, oh. I would I would agree with your statement. I'm I'm a goofball. I like making jokes. I have poopy humor. Yeah, and I kind of scare myself sometimes because I have to like leave the stage or enter the stage in a very emotional state. Yeah, and then the second my shadow is on stage, I'm continuing with my poopy humor and like my tears, even though there are tears falling down my face. I um I just feel crazy sometimes, but in a good way. Yeah. That's never not been the case. That's right. So that's who you are. Like you like yeah. to have fun, even in intense situations, you find levity. Yes. And what about yes. you? Are you the mother? Are you a maternal person usually? Yes. I went to a conservatory undergrad and for grad and all, oftentimes feedback from faculty members was like, you're the caretaker. Mm. And I don't go into it wanting to be in that position. I just, I don't know. People, it's your aura. People like to tell me their secrets and lies. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, though? It's fascinating. Who yeah. do you tell yeah. your secrets and lies to? I don't, I'm, like, very open about stuff. I don't really keep things in. So you don't need to which confide. Which is sort of part of it. I'm not, no, I don't. 
I'm pretty on the table about stuff. Mm. Um, and I, too, have a great sense of humor and am forever trying to make other people laugh. Or, and when you get into long runs, it's really fun to know which friends you can try to actually make yes. break on stage. Like Some people do games. not like that. That's true. Luckily, we're in a cast that's not like that. So there's no one who gets upset when people break the rules a little bit. Mm. Maybe, but we don't play with those people. <laughs> yeah, we don't you know play with I mean? them. They're not, they're not involved in the game. Know you know that. respect in that way and who to disrespect like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good one. Do you yeah. guys have um, – does that happen pretty consistently at this point where you try to crack each other up or, um, or in ways that the audience obviously doesn't, doesn't know, know but that you are – I don't do it with Eva on stage. I do it with the Fates all the time. The mm-hmm. three Fates and I have a game and then one of the music directors and I have games and – and have moments where like a specific game that you all know the rules to at just this like point. Just like there's certain songs and scenes that it's okay if we try to make each other break. And every now and then we will laugh. And it's Emma makes totally me laugh fine. and living it up on top. She knows it. Though. And that's fine. That's to the only. That that's the only song where I know yeah. we can be like. Really silly. Yeah. I will yeah. say that my arch nemesis on stage is Audrey DeShields. <laughs> arch nemesis in terms of like Corpsing. you're in, you're in it. Like we're, we're trying not to corpse when either of us does something. And honestly, I believe in instant karma, and I think it is too. And there have been many cases proven that I that exists this. when Amber has witnesses where he tries to make me giggle. Yeah. And then he messes up, and then. Or he trips. Or he trips, or he messes up the words. <laughs> like, actually trips. Yes. Oh. Does he hurt no, himself? It was like, it was like a, it was like a line himself, step. He's vulnerable. No, we no. want him to he's not the, fall. He is the ox of the group. He is a tough man. He is a tough man. Um, but yeah, he's, he would be, I would consider my arch. So let's go through a little bit. Like, So you're someone that people confide in, whether you want it or not. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's a lot of information, mm-hmm. but okay. You're trying to make everyone laugh. Andre is also engaged in um, comedic warfare yes, whenever he, possible. He, he masks I'm it. trying to ultimately try to make everyone laugh as well. Okay. Eva and I laugh a ton together. We laugh a lot. What about so Patrick? What's his like? He's Hades. Always. Like backstage and on stage? No, not, not always backstage. But also, he you know, Patrick is also has a goofball side as well. But he it does. takes a while to get there. Mm. To what's, crack it. What's it like? Like I, I would like to know how to get there. Uh-huh, he, uh-huh. he does magic. <laughs> he oh does. my god! It blew Patrick my mind. Page is an actual He's magician. He's an incredible magician. He bent a quarter. Thank you for learned everything from, from him. From PP, like as I like, like sleight of hand. <laughs> Slide of hand, he he once bent a quarter for me. I was about to say, he can bend a whole quarter. I was like, I I screamed. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I couldn't believe it. He bent a quarter. There's some trick where you like put energy into a quarter and... It bends. You talk about somebody of a bad mm-hmm. that you miss that you have a sort of a tumultuous relationship with at the moment, and he puts the energy into the quarter and it like mutates the quarter. It's crazy, but that's great because then you're like freed of whatever the bad mojo is with that's you right. and that person. Yeah, all in the quarter. Um, it's all worth twenty five cents. Reeve, what's his? Oh, he's a little goofball. He's a goofball. He too. is a goofball. But can you make him laugh on stage? I can make him laugh on stage. You're like, don't turn around. That's a fact. <laughs> I can make a laugh on stage. I will say once the second act hits, we all kind of stop doing that. Yeah, there, there are certain points. The journey is... Yeah. 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 You have to sort of stop that yeah. behavior. But backstage, it is sort of does fun stage to management do heavy on stage and scold you? walk off and they have, don't know what's happening. Oh, well, they will <laughs> now. <laughs> and and there are mo- there are, the, these are moments that are actually quite well hidden. Okay. Yeah, or or, or if the audience sees laugh, it's, it makes sense because the scene is enjoyable. But yeah. You know, Reaver and I are dangerous. We're still professionals, even though yes. we're jerks to each other sometimes. Yeah. You guys, but that's that's the best. It's yeah. the best. It's Isn't amazing. It the yeah. best? It's so like, much fun. To know, like, it, no matter what's going on with your day, and we all know 
long runs are heavenly. I mean, mm-hmm. you get to really know this thing inside mm-hmm. and out, and and you know pretty much that it's rare that an audience won't be happy to be there. Yeah. I mean, there's mm-hmm. an expectation of happiness at the end or a journey taken together. Exactly. But but it's also true that um, some days are harder to go to work than others. Mm-hmm. We're just it just is what it is. So it must be kind of wonderful to know that once you get there, there are people you can depend on. We have a really great company. Yeah. It's the perfect like perfect mix of energies and, and personalities and humor and age. Has anybody left yet? Yeah, we had one leave. His name is Ahmad. He's but he's doing big things on in West Side Story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll give him that. I yeah. know. So <laughs> it is sad. We do miss him. I'm sure. I mean, it's it's one one little bird has yeah. flown the nest. I mean, even I still ache for our London cast too. It's yeah. Right. It's, uh, it's right. I do miss. And them. I, I ache for all the casts I've mm-hmm. been through because this show is so special. Yeah, it is. And you, yeah. Even if you are sick or tired, dreading getting there, dreading putting on the makeup, whatever, all of that part can be quite miserable. Mm-hmm. The build up, mm-hmm. but the actual two and a half hours on the stage yeah. are typically always magical. Yeah, I agree. That's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Not it's everybody feels that way. That's true. So what is it like this long in? How are there things that you do, even though you've been doing it for a while? Do you have rituals, like pre-show rituals that you both adhere to in a strict way? Other than warming up and like, you know, like Amber just said, we do the makeup and we normally start at the same time and other than warming up, I will say no, but I will say if I enter the building and there's like a weird like juju juju in the building i'll like i'll kind of like illegally like sage the hall <laughs> well i'm glad i gave you matches yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, i know thank you for the matches so what 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 is like weird juju feel like i guess like for example like i'll give you an, an exaggerated one that's that's happened many times before sometimes we've we, we get you know audiences that that aren't as um I'll say the, the the opposite of like when a school group comes, mm-hmm. like they're 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 there. You can hear them. You can feel the energy. You can yeah. hear the the tears and everything. And sometimes, like every once in a while, we'll get like a good string of audiences who are not like that. They're they're good listener crowds, and it's raining outside, or the weather is changing. It's hot, and then it's cold, and we're tired because people have rehearsal. And then you yeah. go to the building, and there's just an energy of like, you know. It's it's just everyone's a little tired and everyone's a little maybe not a hundred percent in in energy. So it's good just to to lift the spirit a little bit. And the girls hallway's great. Like I think yeah, so. There's a, there's always a we're on the lady floor with the lady floor. I saw your your many flights up. We're the top floor. Yeah, technically the roof. The roof. <laughs> Might as well be uh, the roof. The garret. The yeah. roof. <laughs> um, the garret. It's the garret. Yes. It's the garret. It is. Yeah. Uh, is it just the two of you on the top? How many dressing rooms per floor? Three. Three. Okay. So so the you two and ensemble is up there as well. All the workers. Nice. Worker gals and the two workers. Yeah. So why are now some theaters all the dressing rooms are on one side of the theater and some mm-hmm. they're divided sort of right and left. Yeah. What about your theater? We're all, on one, We're side. all on one side. So why are the ladies on the very top floor? Well, I will say I agreed to the top floor because when I was like, okay, I'm sure that, you know, Andre would want the one close to the mm-hmm. stage and they had advertised my room, like real estate, that there would be lots of natural light and I was... You were all for that. I mean, all for that, and, and except it's not true. So, I also saw you don't have, was this a choice? You don't a have table. a table. Man, it's like a thing now. There's like a GoFundMe page where like you can like, I apparently somebody tweeted me this like they just want me to buy me a table because they think that my energy is chaotic when I get ready because I like 
balance on my makeup on I my knees. I thought that was a choice. <laughs> it is a choice. We did. We had our countertops. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Space. My dressing room is probably the size of your of this space right now. We call it cozy and it's, intimate. I think mine is very cozy. And intimate. Yeah, it's called. I have Olympus screen on the walls. Olympus and I, screen. I have a leopard beanbag chair. Thematic. I know. Uh-huh. I don't need a table. So, well, there's a thing now, right? Like, and I don't know if this was as true when you did Miss Saigon. Maybe it was. It's not like it was that long ago. But the idea of sort of all of the performers also sharing their backstage lives on a blog or a vlog Mm -hmm. or some sort of Mm Broadway.com or whoever is providing the camera. Was that as prevalent when you were doing Miss Saigon as it is now? Or do you feel even more of a shift in terms of how much access people would like to have? You did it with Miss Saigon. I did it with Miss Saigon. I did it with Hadestown. Right. So I know you did it with Hadestown. So you did it with Miss Saigon Oh, I definitely did it with Miss Saigon. I'm not going to lie. I was, mine was very funny. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go home and watch it. Why wouldn't I? No, please so, don't watch it. do you enjoy that? I do, but I don't. I did during Miss Saigon because I only did six shows a week. That's a very vocally, you know, aggravating role oh to do yeah. Kim. Magical. You only did six shows a week. Yeah, I know. But Kim was, I think, twice as hard to sing than, uh, than um, Eurydice. Mm. Eurydice, I do eight a week. But when I did the the video blogs for Broadway.com for Town. It was on the. It was in a really bad spot where we had just finished the, the Tony season, but we were still doing a bunch of press, like a crap load of press. And my voice was tired. Meaning you're exhausted. Bad mm-hmm. spot meaning yeah. I had pre nodules. Yeah, that's a bad spot. Wow. Yeah. Um. And so I wasn't really taking um, that seriously because I wanted to be at work so much, and I was mm-hmm. trying to keep my spirits up because you know when you're an actress who is singing is their soul. Um. You have to kind of relearn priorities and realize like no, I'm my own soul, and singing is just something that I'm. Huh. I love doing. So it By was the a, way, that's a very deep thing you just said. You well, said it, it took it very me, quickly. It took me a lot of <laughs> months. Whoa. I had to really learn that the hard way this year. But meaning you know, like physical pain? Meaning and exhaustion. Meaning, meaning I was using the pre nodules as a because I wasn't able to sing the way I wanted to sing and do things I normally could do with ease. Right. I thought I thought I could just muscle through it, but it made it it made it more difficult. And I had to realize at the end of the day that um, I can't string, I can't put my self-worth next to what I can do. Mm. And that my self-worth comes entirely from who I am as, as Eva. It has nothing okay. to do with, with, with my talents. Right. Yeah. So I, when I, once I learned that, all that crap went away. And I've been fine for months now. But when I did those video blogs, that was when it was pretty bad. And I, actually, it was a week after I did that. I had to take two weeks off the show, mm-hmm. complete vocal rest to get over that hump. So the, I didn't enjoy it as much doing Hades Town because I wanted to show so much more. But I, right. was, I was having, you know, t- even right. talking was like very, very tiresome. Well, it's interesting because you both, by the way, are very young, but you're not the same age as each other. Um, you came out of the gate. Like when you talk about sort of figuring out how to define yourself, you know, it's this is the the narrative or your or the story as people understand it on Broadway mm-hmm. is that you were a high school uh, musical theater performer slash lover of performing absolute fan got into the Jimmy Awards was a finalist plucked by a casting director out of you know the the Jimmy Awards which by the way is one of my favorite shows of Love the year Jimmy's. I think it mm-hmm. is just unbelievable what um, 
talent. You'd love watching it. It's I so bet. much fun. I bet I would. It does have everything about it is everything I love. It's just a pure celebration and it's of fun. musical theater, mm. except there's like a winner. Like mm. it's all great. And then I get that stomach ache the way I do with any kind of competition. That's awful. That where part's it's awful. like, actually, you're all friggin' amazing. I don't mm. understand yeah. how you all, whether you're from Appleton or New York City, like you. You all should all be in all the things. But that's not how it works. And then, like, plucked from the Jimmy Awards, and you're the new Miss Saigon, Mm -hmm. right? It would make sense to me. I heard you say something, and maybe you could talk a little bit about it, because a lot of young aspiring performers, as well as just pure lovers of theater, listen to this show for all sorts of reasons. Either they do the thing, or they They love the thing, or they want to do the thing. Um, You once talked about sort of what it was to get this great prize, which is I'm Miss Saigon, um, starring in Miss Saigon. I'm sorry, making it sound like you won a beauty pageant and you are representing Saigon, but that is not what it was. That'd be a funny (laughs) aspect of the show. (laughs) That is not what it meant to be, Miss Saigon. Um, and that you felt like there were a lot of people telling you who to be. Oh, no. I talk about this all the time. Yes. This is my. This is the reason why I, I will continue, other than loving this, um, loving performing and singing and acting and being all these things on stage. You know, that's my, that's the core of my heart. But the only reason I'm continuing to do my shows on the outside and be myself completely is to talk about the repercussions of doing this being in this industry at a young age or at any age and struggling with, you know, eating disorders, mental health problems, anxiety, panic attacks, because um, no one talks about it. Right. And I've been talking about this since 2014, since I came on the came on the scene. That's right. Um, and I, I will not stop because um, no, one, no one talks about it. And it's kind of a little, um, I get really annoyed and frustrated, but I also feel pain because when I was in high school and, you know, you know, being the emotionally depressed high school you are locking yourself in your closet and you know crying all the time I had no one to look up to in this industry that I knew had the same problems that I did or at least said I had this and it's going to be okay um but yeah it was difficult you know eating disorder and I have a tattoo to represent you know going being bulimic and um I think it should it should be an open conversation so that people can talk about it more and are you saying that those sort of uh, things that were happening for you started even before you became a professional or was it the pressure of being a professional or what you thought being a professional meant? Oh, being a professional, I think, is just a Oxford dictionary term of you get paid for it. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't really think that I'm a professional anything in other cases. I just think I'm trying to get my crap together as I go on in life and I'm 23, but I feel 33 most days in my joints and in my bones. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but I know that I'm I'm just a wee sponge. I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. Right. And share as much as you can. Oh, my God. What's the point? That's literally my job. What is the point? Mm. Exactly. That's the point. To just be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why you're so beloved. I appreciate that. Not just for your magnificent talent, but also for your being so open about your truth. Just mm. your truth. You're not talking about other people, but I feel like no. that's what's so great. It's not preachy. It's just truth. No, I just, I just, I feel like it, it would cost more energy. I, I really look at it like you, you really do wake up with 100% emotional energy. And it, it's so easy to give it away if you're not really being conscious about where it's going. Mm. Um, and sometimes like doing the show, if I give 50% of my energy, 100% comes back. So mm. I, you know what I mean? So I always I don't find. know what you mean. Tell me what you mean by like, that. I find the show so tiring. Like everyone knows in this 
in the building, like this show was very difficult to do. We, I always say to Amber, like this show was very hard, but um, harder than other shows. I that think you've this, done? I mean, Kim is very difficult, but I will say, doing eight Eurydices a week and going to hell twice a show, yeah. um, losing the love of my life in a show, and um, being singing a song like Flowers, where you're completely vulnerable to the audience and they're judging you, and you're trying to, in the sweetest, gentlest song plea and say I'm not justifying why I did it but this is why I did it Mm -hmm. it's just a lot a lot of emotions and if I give all of the energy I have left after a full day of just living as Eva even if we're doing two that's very difficult you know the 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 reward of having the audience follow you like that many warm bodies and you know the spirits that are in the Walter Kerr which I do believe there are some um giving that back that emotional like sigh of release after we sing cup you know it's just it's a little it's way more fulfilling I've never had an experience like that mm. in an audience. Have you, as an audience member, what happens at the end of your show? Uh, it it no. is unlike, other than maybe at a concert with like some incredible rock icon mm. where you're suddenly all together mm-hmm. singing some anthem that has meant something to you your whole life. What is extraordinary about being in the audience at the end of Town, and you guys, I know not everyone gets to come to New York um, but there's going to be a national tour. Mm-hmm. Some of you got to see it in London. And if you lived in Europe, it was easier to get to London than it is to huh. get here. And it's on YouTube. But I don't know. Whatever you can do to save up and find some way to see mm. a production of this show, there's something, you know, for me, the whole reason I do this podcast is because I I have said this so many times. I just live for community. Mm. Anything now that can create a feeling of community or bring us together. And, of course, theater has always done that. And we're all attracted to being in the theater because as weirdos, we, like, found a place where we're like, actually, I'm not Uh, weird at all. This is actually my house. How funny. Um, Mm. But there's something that happens at the end where we are all on our feet. And I didn't, you know, many people come already knowing your cast recording so they can sing along because they know it. I didn't know it yet. Mm. I came really early on. And... And you feel like you're hearing a song that you've known your whole life, mm. and you're suddenly singing together, and you're so um, you're so generous with us in that moment because we do feel like, okay, guys, you these guys are exhausted. Let's let them go home. Like they've done more than yeah. enough for us, and yet you give us even more at that moment. So yeah. I guess I want to ask you: Was it always like that? It feels like an encore. Almost. Yeah. Where did and that it is come from? Meant to, and it's the fact that it, you know, in its roots, it was a concept album. Mm-hmm. It's a concept album written by a folk musician, right? So she is used to writing sort of anthems and lullabies like that, which is part of that culture, which yeah. is where you get a song like Wall that poured out of her in like 10 minutes, and none of the words have been changed from, you know, it's 13 original. years ago. Amazing. When she wrote it. Even and though the world has changed like so Cup. much. Yeah, which is, you know, every production we've done, it's been at the end, but there have been a couple of productions where it like bled out of Road to Hell 2, the song before it. Mm-hmm. Um, every production we've done, we've experimented a couple of nights with cutting it, and it always feels horrible because the thing like is, something's missing. Yes, the thing is, tonally, even even if you don't listen to the words. Tonally, the song is the salve for the heartbreak of the show. Mm, So if you don't get it, it's quite painful. And actually, we're in the middle of Broadway care season and collecting, and we tried putting the speech for a few shows after Rotel 2 before Cup, and we were losing the thread, and it was really 
weird. Felt right. Wrong. Great idea. Not going to work. And then we sang cop and people were like, I don't, what? I don't, I'm so confused. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. No, no. You know, I, it wasn't really strange. <laughs> it was, very it was like, it was, it was like, um, bowing speech. And then we're going to sing another song. And they were like, what? Yeah. They were, it was very, but wait, who do I give my dollar to? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's very healing. And the fact that, excuse me, in London, the mics were completely turned off. I think here they're just turned way down. So for the most part, we are kind of singing it raw in a space. No, which it's like you're in a pub all even of a sudden. That, yeah. yeah. So again, it's like the tonally the sound of the song, but also just like a human voice entering your body without any amplification. Like all of that has a very physical, makes you have a physical reaction. Yeah. Is there a release is there any joyous release for you guys as a company getting to sing that song together after the journey? Yes, it, that has always been true for me. I, I find it the most difficult at the Kerr only because it's one of the... The Olivier is bigger, but the way it's set up acoustically, you don't have to... What am I trying to say? Physically, the angle of singing is mm. difficult at the Kerr okay, to be able to high. hit the balcony to like yeah. make so sure that everyone they can, is included and i yeah exactly to make sure everyone is included the physical angle that i have to sing it's at so to ridiculous. like get it out it's <gasps> like it's a it's a physical workout to sing that song now in a way that it wasn't in the other three productions mm -hmm. that takes away a little bit of that so it's still as performative as the rest of the play Correct. is because and they can have they played with that from a technical perspective in terms of Making it easier on you guys? Well, that's why the mics are slightly on here. Uh -huh. They were completely Instead of turned off. off in London. Um, but yeah, I, I'm i actually thinking about the technicality of singing probably more in that song than any other song. Yeah. And, you know, I growl and grunt and make crazy noises for most of the show. And that there maybe that and How Long are the only songs I sort of just sing straight. Mm -hmm. So they're the most difficult to sing when you're tired. Right. Yeah. After doing all that work for two and a half hours, I have to really focus on how I'm physically singing and make sure that I'm properly singing. Right. So I don't quite have that joy anymore because of some requirements just to get the song out. This is a hard show to sing genuine, like general, what am I saying? Generally, I think. And we go mainly because the way Aeneas wrote it, she sings with such a, like a floatiness to her voice that's not, you know, it's not like belting, I wouldn't say. Mm. So when... The but our stuff is very different <clears throat> that we sing for the most part. Yeah. Like, yeah. You mean Persephone and Eurydice just yes. as characters? Yeah, and yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Well, what's so yeah. fascinating is I how... I think your stuff is harder to sing than mine as far as... Have you ever switched just for fun, gone out one night? If I were to we switch with anybody... We all the time that we yeah, want to do it as like a fundraiser. It would be so would fun to five... The Miss Cat Well, I want to be... I want to be... Um, I kind of want to be Orpheus. I want to be Hermes. Yeah, be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I could do your slinky walk. <laughs> I would do a master class. I would take it. You know how Facebook has like those weird master classes? It's like Anna Wintour or Steve Martin. Oh, yeah, I have seen I would do, I would want to take Andre to Shields. Absolutely. So is, is he like, um, my fantasy of him and just watching him perform is that if I were in a play with him, I would just sit like he'd be in a chair and I'd be sitting on the floor and I would just be looking up at him saying, just teach me, teach me mm -hmm. things, tell me stories of your life um, so that I may learn from you. Mm -hmm. Is he generous in the way I fantasize about him? He's generous in a, in a way that 
you get way more than you ask for when you ask for it. And he... So you have to settle in. I will say I... I feel like Amber and I have a relationship with him that's I'm very I'm very honored to be in, have a friendship with Andre Shields mm-hmm, in too. a way that when I make that man laugh it is very yeah. self-fulfilling. Yeah. Wow. And I, I'm you know it's very it feels very nice to to make him laugh but sometimes he'll give you sto- like you have to be always prepared because it's not like if you ask please tell me a story about this it doesn't mean he's going to give it to you. Correct. He might even just be like mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Simple, like, no, I'm not doing that right now. Or maybe the week later, he'll just start talking about something, and you'll be like, oh, now is my chance mm-hmm. <laughs> to learn. Wow. He's really a creature of his own, and he's very, very There are actually a handful of beloved. boys in, in London, <clears throat> Brits, mm. that asked basically what you just said, like, will you tell us your life story? And he, as far as I know, and it's a bit out of place for me to share this, not my story to <laughs> tell, but... <laughs> As far as I know, he was like, I will give you 90 minutes of my time. And he like told them a bunch of things. Yeah. You know, he can be very generous if you ask something of him. But then he also has impeccable boundaries, which I respect. And you, nobody disrespects Andre DeShields. No it's one. amazing. And we have s- spoken often that he owns his own divinity. And you just yes. honor that. You give mm. him a space. when, you, And he gives very clear signals. He's like a you true god tell, in a way. He is a true god. Mm-hmm. You can tell when he needs space. And you can tell when he is open to make some lewd jokes. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's very, no very... No one knows this. No one knows that he is a lewd man. Oh, man. He a dirty man. He a dirty, dirty man. It's super fun. We He's love it. It's just hysterical. So tell me a little bit about um, what... I mean, you've been running so long, it, you probably don't still think much about rehearsal or sort of the... Mm the genesis of all of these moments and mm. you guys did it in another production. And so mm. you're probably like, well, I liked how we did it over there. I mean, there's always that. Like sure. I wish, yeah. but when you, when you set up for me, the rehearsal room with Rachel as your director, with someone like Andre who has so much experience and probably is directed in his life oh, as yeah, well. Mm-hmm. Numerous director. times yeah. and yeah. choreographed, like mm-hmm. he's the, the, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, you know, in New York, you're starting again, even though some of you mm-hmm. had done it before. There are all these people coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I just want that leather. I wore overalls today just as an homage and out of respect to I the workers. Well um, but I really want them to be brown. Are they leather or they're pleather? Leather. Oh, they're leather. Those are beautiful. And in London, the Brits call them my leathers. My leathers. just tickled me. Oh, I really <laughs> want to find out if... I keep looking on the website. They're not selling them um, as swag for the show, but oh, no. that would be idea. great. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what the room is like when you're building something like this with... I mean, that's a, a yeah. loaded question, but just walk us through those of us who could only dream of being in a room like that. Well, I will say that I have honestly done four wildly different productions of it. I found myself saying to a friend of mine I went to grad school with who doesn't live in New York State anymore and is coming back to visit for a bit, who saw it at New York Theater Workshop because he sort of was like, oh, I'm only there for a few days. I would like to see it, but right. do I need to see it? <laughs> And I, because you know, he's thinking it's the same show, but bigger. And I was like, it may as well have a different name. I Mm. may as well pretend to you I'm in a completely different show and role because it is not the same beast at all. Exactly. (laughs) Tootsie, Tootsie, brother. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So 
it has changed the least from London to New York, but that's not still. It is so different. And so what does all Rachel three previews, say? You're getting rewrites from Anais yeah. all the time. What like does Rachel day. say on day one as you're beginning with the new company assembled? How does she start? Because we all need to know we're in the same show, right? Here's the world. Do you remember anything that she said to I begin remember, it all? I don't remember if it was London or New York. Because like Amber said, like you're tr- still trying to take the skeleton of what we did in London mm. and change it. Except for Reeve, whose complete, c- character completed a 180-degree turn. Huh. I, he's a genius. Um, but I remember Rachel said, um, well, I want to start this process off with everyone knowing what atmosphere we're in. Like it's... Mm. It's cos. This is a cosmic atmosphere, and I'm, I I love. I'm like obsessed with that word because of how well, Rachel used it so many times, and mm-hmm. Anais did. Like, she'd always come in and be like, "The cosmic guys, like, thank you so much." Like, <laughs> but how do how do you thank get you. a company of how many people are in your company? Seventeen, including the offstage swings, oh, yes, but correct. thirteen on stage. So seventeen times. people signing in every day on mm-hmm. the call board, mm-hmm. initialing a piece of paper. How do you get seventeen people? Because she did it in the Great Comet too, like yeah. a company of like such disparate, that was fascinating massive characters. Cast, but how do well, you get seventeen people or however many to understand the same definition of cosmic, or does it not matter if you all think of it in the same way? I think this particular show is so well written at this point that it speaks for itself. Like is that on the page. And I do yeah. remember in New York City, well, first of all, part of how you do that is by uploading the people that are new first. Like, they all started yeah. rehearsal a week before we did. Right. And then we came in later once they sort of had a foundation. And once we were all in the room, I do remember Rachel, like, holding the script in her hand saying, I think this piece is holy. Mm. And I agree with mm-hmm. her. And I do think what Aeneas has made really does speak for itself. I think it's uh, you know, you start to have nitty gritty conversations of like, what kind of worker am I above ground versus right. below? You know, and that stuff character gets development stuff. Yeah. yeah, that stuff gets clarified. But I think the the initial response to the thing, it are words like holy, cosmic that everyone has. Because again, even just the music itself makes you feel that. Yeah. So how do you understand? I mean, guys, I we didn't start with the description of Hades Town. Just mm. Google what the like even, you know, the, <laughs> the very plot. basic there's a Greek there are these Greek mythologies mm-hmm. and stories that have been passed down and there's a couple named Persephone and Hades and there's a couple named <laughs> Orpheus and Eurydice and these two myths have been merged together yeah. into this cosmic beautiful mm retelling, repurposing mm-hmm. that is very modern and very ancient at the same time. Yeah. And it does feel holy. And it is sung through, which is why when they talk about the exhausting nature of the show and every character, not only is it sung through, every character has their song and voice placed in a in a in a in a vocal position that is so specific yeah. to the psychology of the yes. character. Right? Yes. Well, so, put. well put. So and also it's just the most beautiful gorgeous cast of people to look at which is superficial and unimportant it's just also true mm-hmm. michael crass who did my costume for lucy and you're a good man charlie oh, brown I love it. Uh, yeah. did just such fascinating gorgeous specific mm-hmm. chartreuse for for amber yes. and and kind of punk rock black for eurydice and um it's it's a visual feast and mm-hmm. you all have seen the beautiful red flower that is 
positioned in the ads for it, but it really has like when you see, you know, the poster and then you go into the show and then you understand what the red flower is. I could sob right now. It's very intense. But the flower only came in London, too. Like we've done two productions without a flower. Even though there's a song flower. Well, Uh and now it's like it would be like, I don't know, like understanding Hamilton without that you know the star the logo for it it's been and also like a flower it's just the most beautiful symbol of Mm. peace and love and and hope tell me what you when you think about Hades and Persephone Mm. in a like in a non-mythology way Mm -hmm. like who who is this couple that's not poor grammar but you who are who are they (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know there was going to be a test sure sure um the way my brain likes to think about it is um, <laughs> I used to be a nerd and like read lots of books about love and what that word means and sort of what it does to the brain. And they've done all these, you know, we have, I think, like second to Brazil, the highest divorce rate in the world. Yeah. Um, Over 50 percent of every right, marriage. Because we marry for romantic reasons and, you know, chemistry that you feel between people apparently like dissolves after a couple of years. And then you have to actually love as in the true sense of the word as a verb. You have to choose to love that person every day. Mm. And they have, like, shown, if you do brain scans, that arranged marriages, granted there's lots of, like, cultural pressure to stay together in arranged marriages, but in arranged marriages, I don't know anything about you, Eva, but Mm -hmm. now we are in an arranged marriage, and and I will learn to love you as Mm -hmm. the verb, and I will choose to do that. They choose something greater than themselves, and when they do, like, scans of their brain 10 years deep, the love is so high, and there's, like, so much serotonin in there. It's really Mm -hmm. wild. So I actually kind of think of our relationship like that, that, I mean, in the actual myth, there's an abduction. It's sort of sad how it started. But in our story that we're telling, you know, it was quite young when they started. And now they're like 3,000 years old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're really good at being married. Like they fight easily and they fight well and they make up really well and they love Mm -hmm. each other. And it's like still sexy and hot, Mm -hmm. which I think is cool. It's like a... I don't know. It's a it's a version of a marriage that I don't really see much anymore. That mm. I feel like existed a couple of generations ago. That we're yeah. really losing track of in America. But that you so respect, sad. I think. Absolutely, I respect it. I think it's yeah. revered. Yes, revered. Do you? So again, this is not a spoiler alert because other than in the original mythology, snakes are involved <laughs> with Eurydice's story. Um, yeah. I think a lot about what Orpheus is asked to do in this story. You know, there's a there's a biblical story in the book of Ruth. There are lots of stories where if you turn back, there are consequences. Yeah. If you, you know, I think in that biblical story, like someone turns to stone or salt or something, mm-hmm. or salt and stone. Yeah. I got to do some Bible study again. <laughs> um, I really think a lot about if I was told you can you can do this thing, the only thing you can't do right, is look back. Do you think you could do that? In the circumstance of being betrayed already, mm-hmm. if I were to be completely empathetic with Orpheus's shoes in this particular retelling, yeah, I would probably look back. You know, Eurydice, the Eurydice in me, and also the Eva, they're quite, yeah. quite similar. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like a hard ass kind of like, no, I wouldn't look back. You right. Know, Hell no. I can do it. I can do it. But, you know, the beautiful thing about Orpheus and Eurydice's relationship in this is it's an intoxicating love that, like, who doesn't want to fall in love and who doesn't remember or want to feel every day that feeling of of fresh, young love, Mm -hmm. you know? 
Um, and it's their love is is deep to me because you know it's they're humans, but they're in this epic story that you feel like they're they're like amongst the stars and there's space, mm-hmm. you know, even though they're not technically gods. But I think that I would look back as Eva. Well, it's interesting because that relationship is a very kind of in the world of musical theater. It's a love at first sight sort of thing, right? That happens in real life too. But we're going, we're asked to go on this ride with you. Mm -hmm. We meet you. We meet him. There's a song. There's a connection Mm -hmm. that is um, indescribable why that happens when there's that kind of chemistry. And we're off on that ride with you. That young, pure, romantic, Mm. beautiful love that's not based on years of being together or really Mm -hmm. knowing each other. It's a moment where you're like, oh, I see you, mm-hmm. and you see me, it's, it's a very, very um, incredible thing to see a show where all kinds of love are represented, mm. and there's no judgment, and um, there is something about the way you are all committed. You know, I know there's joking around, I know it's been a long run, but the integrity with which you are bringing to life these characters every night mm. with such depth and beauty and love and respect. And um, and you both have these singular voices that are just, um, I'm sure people will do these parts after you and they will inhabit them in magnificent ways mm-hmm. because it is on this on the page yeah. in terms of the book and the lyrics and the but I feel so lucky that I got to see the women who sort of originated these parts mm. um and put your I'm sure forevermore Eva and Amber will be a part of the texture and fabric of this text yeah. things you thought of things that you brought to it yeah. will forever be in the published script of this thing and I feel very lucky to be alive right now and have seen you both do it. (laughs) Thank you. To share your time with us. And I hope you'll come back because I have a thousand more more questions. Um, Before you go, is there a little known fact about you that you can share? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I've had a giant ganglion cyst on the back of my wrist for the last seven years that I have to say I was quite fond of, but it, it had to go. I couldn't really bend my hand backward anymore, and um, I had it removed three weeks ago, and I sort of miss it, and I don't know that I know we how all to miss act it. without <laughs> it. I know. Wow. Maybe a little creature. And, um, but I'm also stubborn as hell, and I don't ever really call out. You're and still I, a creature. I, thank you. That means a lot to me. I and I... Um, I had an outpatient surgery in the morning, and then I came with my hand in a splint and a sling and did the show anyway. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. That's a small, recent, little-known Was there, fact. like, a ceremony, like a goodbye to the ganglion cyst? There was um, a making, a mold-making with some clay, and <laughs> lots of before and after footage and footage bracelet. during the surgery. I know. I kind of want to make it out of metal and, like, Wait. wear it in the, yeah. Put it back. All I right. had my wisdom teeth dipped in gold so I can make earrings have them near where they How were originally taken from. You're such <laughs> a rock star. All right, Eva, do you have something you can share? Um, Amber's was an incomplete sentence, so I'm gonna I'm gonna copy yours. I did sports growing up: BMX, paintball, basketball, volleyball. Um, I once made a girl's nosebleed, and I liked it. Because she scratched me during basketball. <laughs> she deserved it. I'm very weird. 
She's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> And I love you I like so much. Vintage shopping and having a glass of champagne at around two thirty. That's like one of my favorite things to do. Oh, I like on my day a beer off at ten a.m. On my day off, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. All right. Breakfast beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, to be continued. Thank you both for being here so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was such You're a treat. Welcome. It was. I'm Alana Levine. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review our show in the iTunes show page. Little known facts. Hey, I am so excited to share some news with you guys. For the last few months, I've been working on another project that I've been calling Little Known Facts 2.0. Stage Network, an incredible new streaming platform which promises to be Netflix for theater lovers, asked me to do Little Known Facts as a filmed series, a talk show, as it were, in front of cameras. And I really thought about it for a long time because the thing that's made this podcast so special is that all of my guests have been able to share deep, intimate truths about their lives because we are in this tiny, comforting, confessional that is the podcast booth. And I really had to think hard, could I still deliver the same kind of intimate, raw, hilarious, and unique interviews if cameras were involved? But I think I figured it out. And I'm so grateful to Stage Network for allowing me to make my dream of sharing incredible friends with you in this whole new way. So I shot six episodes. The first one uh, is with Ben Platt. Other guests include Celia Keenan-Bolger, Zachary Quinto, George Salazar, Nikki M. James, John Slattery, and I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to share them with you. Stage Network really is an amazing place. Not only is it filled with incredible original content, uh, it has licensed so much theater-related content, documentaries and films and all sorts of incredible programming. I feel like I dreamed up a network and someone else created it and here it is. And the fact that I'm involved in even a small way with this incredible, incredible network is just truly an honor. So to that end, uh, to watch all of the content, including Little Known Facts, the series, go to watchstage.com. Enjoy and I hope you like it. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Thank you to John Zaytoon, who was the talent coordinator for this episode. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.